This is the golden question. Hello, hello, guys. Welcome to episode eight of the Golden Question podcast. In today's episode, I want to ask the question why is counterfeiting money illegal? And I'm posing this question because, as we've seen with the uh, reaction of the Fed toward this crisis and toward this uh, downturn of the economy that we've been experiencing these past two weeks, the Fed's solution, of course, is nonetheless to just print the more print more money. And again. It's ironic how that this is their only solution. Whenever there's a time of crisis, print money. And again, I'm saying the term print money very loosely because it doesn't mean a lot of different things. However, at the end of the day, there's always more money into the system created from thin air without it being backed up by production. And again, I've, I've gotten into several other podcasts discussing that, and I will get Uh, expand on it in the future so it's not like I talked about it once I'm never going to talk about it again there are going to be times where I I continue to talk about it so counterfeiting money I mean there's several people that have done it throughout history some more notable than others and what happens is an individual somehow finds ways to replicate how the dollar is formed and it's you know it's it's a complex uh, piece of, of paper that obviously has a bunch of different security features and technologies to help prevent people from counterfeiting money. But what I'm trying to uh, argue is if there's an individual who believes that he wants to acquire more wealth, and in order for him to acquire more wealth is to benefit the lives of others again this is just you know a a sort of he sort of has a uh, Keynesian uh, ideology in which he could just create demand for other people's products and goods that other people created and he doesn't he, he feels as if he himself doesn't have to create any of these goods he could just create demand for other people's goods and in theory he believes that he could actually help those other people so what he does is uh, again he believes that he, he's his actions are just he decides to print money you know he, he, he buys a printing machine uh, otherwise known as a printer I don't know why I said printing machine but you know a complex printing machine that, that can successfully replicate uh, the looks and the feel of the dollar uh, the paper dollar and let's say he creates it and then you know he goes around buying stuff so again none of this obviously the money that he printed isn't backed up by anything he's just making it out of thin air and he's going around he goes to mcdonald's he buys some burgers he go he prints um he prints another let's say several thousands uh several thousands of dollars and then maybe goes and buys a car um so you know he's putting more money into the system now what he's practicing essentially is the Keynesian ideology 
in which the the best way to improve an economy is to create demand because if there isn't demand that's in their eye a negative thing and the way to cure that uh, lack of demand is to then artificially create demand and by doing that they're just printing money uh, w without it being backed by anything so that's how you artificially create demand because demand is fueled by not only supply but again essentially a form of the supply which is savings so in order for people to demand things they actually have to have savings first then they're able to demand things but artificial demand doesn't have a base of savings so it just it's just demand uh, created out of thin air and essentially the money in this case is a tool for demand because you are creating demand by dictating where your money goes the more money you are willing to give up the higher demand uh, the higher aggregate demand there is so you have this individual and you know I a Keynesian if you really sat down with them and told them can you please explain to me this scenario and why it is wrong and why the government is making this action illegal right he's doing the same exact thing that the government is doing the government thinks the solution is to create demand this in this individual is creating demand and in fact he's doing it in a more direct way he's getting the money and he's directly going to businesses and putting it in there right he's not doing it sort of indirectly by creating money and then sending it to the markets and then giving it to accredited you know institutions and uh you know certain banks and then doing it the long way quote unquote so he's direct he's actually doing it in a more efficient way just directly pumping money to the system going directly to the hands of uh, business owners you know so what what is exact what's wrong with this so if you were to ask you know a Keynesian across my table can you please tell me what's wrong with this I I think he'll have trouble and ultimately the basis for him you know arguing uh, this that this this action that this individual did is wrong is mostly based on the fact that the money is not being produced by an authoritative figure because the money doesn't have a stamp of approval by the federal government and that's essentially what it boils down to but in terms of the an economic argument if you would call it that there really is no difference between demand that's has a stamp of government approval and demand that doesn't because demand is demand right if I have a uh, two cups that do the same function they're both meant to drink water except one has a stamp of, of of approval by some agency whatever but at the end of the day there's still two exact similar cups of water there is no difference between them. It's just one you're dictating this one to be used because there is an authoritative force. So essentially, it boils down to the authoritative force that the government gives, you know, in this case, its own production of dollars, its own production of paper versus other productions of paper. And, and that's where I believe the Keynesian ideology falls apart and it goes closely related to the, the broken window theory or I believe that's what it's called broken window theory or the broken window fallacy I think that's the correct term and essentially what it says is let's say somebody's window breaks 
is that a good thing for the economy, right? Does the individual go, yes, you know, I can, I can now, you know, it's a great thing now that I, can, uh, now that my window's broken, I can create demand. Now I can go help the economy. I can get my window fixed. And you know what? Might as well break a bunch of other windows. I can help fuel the economy that way. But again, the problem with that argument is, and the reason why they call it a fallacy is because, first of all, all this the uh, the services that that were used up by you, and again, it's not only the service; it's all the equipment that was used, all the men that were used to help fix your window, could have been used somewhere else more productively, and could have been used somewhere else that had more. And I again, I'm going to use the term legitimate demand. Again, demand that is fueled by savings and by someone's interest uh, in acquiring something that isn't yet available now, right? And I'm going to relate this back to, uh, I forgot who it was, I forgot who made this analogy, I think it was Milton Friedman, but essentially it was a story that uh, starts off by someone going to, I believe it was the uh, labor camps of China, or the Soviet Union, again, Communist China or the Soviet Union. And he went up to the, I think it was like a mining uh, industry. And he said, he saw all these thousands of people working, you know, using shovels, picking up, um, picking up dirt. And he went up to, I guess it was the manager, the, the owner, and said, why are you guys all, you know, why are you allowing your men to use shovels? Don't you think they can be much more efficient in doing whatever you're doing? And I think that it was a, a mining, you know, they were doing something, mining something. Um, but he essentially said, wouldn't you guys be more efficient if you were to use machinery? Why don't you use a, you know, an excavator, use some actual construction equipment that could help you get the work done faster? And his argument was, well, then these people wouldn't have jobs. So essentially, you could look at him from the perspective of the economy and the Fed, in which, and again, when I reference the Fed, I'm talking about any central bank. Um, but essentially, again, it boils down to, I'm just giving money to as many people as I can, and that hopefully will spur up the economy. You know, that'll somehow jog up uh, individual's income and, and, and help the economy. And in the case with the individual in, in, in the camp, he sees that if he cuts down on labor, he's actually giving less money to people. Uh, and he, he's, he, the consequence of being in, uh, efficient is that he won't be able to pay as many workers. And again, in his eye, he feels as if he is not benefiting the economy. But in fact, he has it all wrong because, first of all, his work could have been done. And again, if he were producing goods, goods, let's say, let's say he was producing um, cell phones, he would be at a huge loss and a loss to society because now society has to wait longer for every iPhone to be produced. And in the interim, the iPhones that are out there are going to be higher in price. So it's, again, it has a, it's a cascading chain effect. Him 
trying to prolong the service is actually a, a, a downside to society. Now, as in uh, relation to the workers, those workers could have been allocated to something else and doing something that's more efficient. And it could be used to uh, be put in, you know, industries that are smaller that still need more human capital and human resource to grow. And again, unfortunately, people think that we have, an, you know, the, the workforce, laborers, workers, are in overabundance. And, um, you know, we just got to try to make sure that we employ as many of them as possible. But in, in the context of the economy, every aspect of the world is limited in resource because there's a finite value, right? Yeah, humans can be born, but it's not something that's instant, right? You have to wait you know, there's a lot of different things. You have to wait nine months before a new human is born. And then that human has to, you know, get to a certain age before we could start working. It's the same thing with the, 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 you know, the factory owner who wants to prolong his service, to prolong the service of the iPhone. Let's make it inefficient. Let me extend the process. But again, the consequence is now that iPhone is, is, um, it takes longer to produce and it, and it takes longer to get into the hands of, of the people who are benefiting from it. So again, just as how the resources of the iPhone are scarce, the re, just as how the resource of anything of the earth is scarce, human capital, the human body is also scarce in quantity. So you have to be as efficient as possible when organizing your society. And again, I, I feel like the, the, it's, it's blurred uh, in the in the minds of people today, because they think that there's an overpopulation, we 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 have a shortage of, uh, we have a surplus of workers, and so we need to get as many of them employed. However, it's the complete opposite. It's people when you attribute them to certain resources, uh, in certain in certain jobs and functions, you're sort of lowering the amount of uh, workers you could allocate to something else right if i have you know if i have five different again i'm gonna make a lot of analogies so hopefully you guys can keep up with me and you know in the future i will you know make certain video sets that will hopefully uh make this easier to to listen and to watch for those who are watching um but back to my example if i have let's say five different you know productions in my economy right i'm making uh, computers, I'm making laptops, I'm making, uh, you know, making light bulbs, apples and oranges, you know, and they're all, they all require workers. If I see, if I, if I want to um, be, let's say, inefficient in creating laptops, let me just hire as many workers. I'm going to, again, I'm going to unfortunately grab workers from other industries. And subsequently, there are new industries that can be formed that aren't being formed because of the lack of worker base there is, or there could be existing industries that are lacking workers. So again, it's not a matter of let me get as many workers as possible. It's a matter of, it's instead a matter of, am I using the workers um, most efficiently?
and are those workers better off out in the economy instead of being locked in my you know locked down in my my production which is which I don't need them but I'm just hiring them because I feel like I'm doing something good but again due to the cascading domino effect it's not because it has lasting complications uh, in in the economy so again let's I, I've deviated a lot from my main question but let's get back to it and then let's close on it when you're creating money you're essentially creating artificial demand and again you're missing the point just as how you if you think that workers uh, hiring as many workers is the goal of the company creating as much money as possible again is not the is not the end game you're missing the point of the whole point of having this organized economy the whole point of having an organized economy is to produce goods and services right and that's why the government isn't making it illegal to produce goods and services because that's the essential uh point of a structured economy but however as you can see you know now the government has made printing money illegal and it wants to be the authoritative uh, authoritative figure on creating money because again if you think about it if an individual started to print money on his own and and if you're knowledgeable of the fact that he's printing money will you sell your goods or services to him right if you know like let's say the individual who i mentioned who i gave an example as before the one who printed money in his backyard or in his basement and went to and went to mcdonald's and let's say you're the you're the fryer um, you're you're about to throw some some frozen fries in the, in the deep fryer. Will you do that service for him for free? Is essentially the question because the thing that he's giving you is just a worthless piece of paper, and now you're in the risk, you're in the liability of now tr- uh, seeing if you can let other people trust this that this piece of paper has value. And. You know, you're at a loss if somebody, if you then were to use that piece of dollar somewhere else and then that person says, no, I don't want it. So when the dollar, when the dollar that the individual prints doesn't have any value, nobody's willing to accept it uh, for cash. But all of a sudden they're allowed to, they accept the dollar that the government prints. But again, as I said before, it's essentially the same thing. It's just a piece of dollar that's being printed out of thin air. Uh, in hopes of helping the economy. And when we look at the socialist ideology, the Marxist ideology, it sort of it, it, it then goes to the extent of banning production of goods and services. So not only am I not allowed to print dollars and create my own demand, I'm also not allowed to make my own goods and services for the betterment of society. If I, if I feel like if I have a a good or service, I can't create it. I have to be under the umbrella of the government. I have to be under the authority. I have to get permission from them to do this, and I have to give them all my my benefits. All the the people who are willing to trade their goods and services for my goods and services, I can't collect uh, my reward. F- you know their goods and services that are that are being traded, I, or I have to collect it, but then I just have to uh, right away give it to the government. So as you can see, there's it's it's entirely unjust. It's flawed. It's not only unjust. It's not only it doesn't work on paper, but it's from the core flawed, and it's not going to result in the outcomes that that people are expecting. And 
the solution again to this is to allow individuals to create their own currency if they feel uh, if they feel they need to. And again, before we've had the Federal Reserve Act, and you know, early in the 19th century uh, and throughout the 19th century, banks issued their own currency. So banks issued currency uh, that individuals could then use, but the bank again had gold or silver in reserves so if at the end at any moment if an individual wants to come back and claim that gold and silver they're able to do so so essentially the bank was just a holder of gold and server and it issued ownership receipts for that gold and server that's stored in the bank so again if the individual wants to create his own individual bank let's say right if the if the person who wants to print up currency it's not it's not that easy he actually has to have savings right he has to have the savings he has to have something stored whether it be a bunch of computers let's say he hoarded you know thousands and thousands of computers in his basement and then is issuing currency and on the currency it says this is redeemable in terms of a computer uh, at this address let's say from this individual and then you could pass on that receipt now you're gonna trust him and say okay um, giving you this uh, service or this good for that piece of paper, but that piece of paper isn't, you know, isn't the be isn't the end game. It's the actual computer that's left at the that's being stored in his basement. And now I don't have to acquire that computer. I could now then uh, trade this piece of paper for someone else's good and services. Who that person is also going to then uh, entrust me into thinking that this piece of paper is correlated to the computers that's being stored in his basement. Now, again, I don't have to go to the computer. The person who I give the, the receipt to doesn't have to go get his computer. It could be several, uh, you know, several exchanges and transfers down the road uh, before, you know, ultimately one individual might say, okay, you know what? I'm done trading this. Let me go ahead and get this computer. And then they can go back to the person uh, in the basement who has the computers and actually redeem that computer. So, if and again, if that person didn't redeem the computer, that current that piece of receipt could keep transferring. But again, ultimately, the thing that matters is if at the end game, somebody actually redeems it. Because if that person realizes that, you know, he isn't going to get his computer or if he goes there and the bank says we don't have your computer it's sort of a false demand all the demand that was created was in a way you know not true demand right it was it was false demand and ultimately someone does lose in that transaction because that person you know he's I guess in a way lied and and didn't actually have the computers uh, at hand the person at the end who traded a service, he sort of traded it for free. He gave the service, but he didn't get anything in returns. So and and now he he's left out of luck. So again, I stress this in almost every podcast. The point of an economy, it's not just to create jobs. It's not just to create uh, money, which is a tool. It's not just to. Uh, get people to work it's not just to make people believe something it's about the creation of goods and services that's the be all end all end game 
to the creation of goods and services and any attempt to circumvent that and cheat your way into acquiring goods and services without actually creating your own goods and services will result in a complete collapse of the system that you were relying on to provide you with the goods and services. Um, and again, we're seeing now with the coronavirus, there's there might be a, a shortage of food. Uh, I was reading this article, there might be a shortage of food, uh, especially in the food banks. Now, all this money that the Fed printed, what good is that going to do if you, there's no food for you to buy? Right? And again, this also goes back to the point where the government can never create production, can never increase supply. You can always increase demand because our demand is unlimited, right? We all want an unlimited number of things. Um, and we could keep demanding things even if there's nothing here, we can keep demanding it. So demand is essentially, at its core, unlimited. Supply, on the other hand, is what is limited. There's a limited number of supplies on the Earth. Earth we just have this earth, right? There's no other planets that we can grab resources from, and there's not an infinite number of planets that we can grab resources from. We just have this own earth and whatever's on this earth. And if we use it up, then there is nothing left of it. So we better do the best we can at using the goods provided to us on this earth at the most efficient way possible. And that's where the economic system stems from. So supply is what's limited, Demand is unlimited, and it's easy to create something that's unlimited, right? If I have uh, the unlimited capability of demanding things, the very act of demanding things should be easy, right? I can just keep demanding things, and it can increase exponentially. And I can, you know, I could sit days on it writing lists of things that I want. But what actually matters and what's actually the, the whole point of working is to create supply, and that's the thing that nobody could uh, create supply indefinitely because supply takes time to create. And at the end of the day, you have an unlimited supply of, uh, of which you're using from, of which you're, you're gathering your supplies from to create the finished good and service. So governments can never create supply. They only create demand. And it's sort of fooled the public into thinking that creating demand is all that matters and supply will somehow follow, which is the definition of Keynesian economics. If we create demand, somehow supply will follow. But at the core, supply is limited, demand is unlimited. You can never create supply just out of demand. There needs to be supply already there created for the demand to feed off. And that's my little, you know, economics 101 talk at the end that I do at, uh, on almost every podcast. And I think it's important because I want to stress the points of supply and demand, which is just simple economics 101, and it's common sense. Like, the stuff that I'm saying is, it's not, uh, I bet every somebody's heard it at one point in their life, and it's something that makes sense. It doesn't require too much thought to understand the the the, the idea of supply and demand, but, unfor uh, but unfortunately, government has sort of manipulated that and told us it's a complex thing and told us that it doesn't work according to common sense and they've done it to justify their actions of creating wealth out of thin air and creating the illusion of wealth creating money out of thin air and uh, letting those who actually create goods and services suffer thanks for listening and hope you guys stay safe